I'm Jethro Jones from Transformative Principle, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today from the state of Texas is Casey Bell. Casey's the author of the best selling book, Shake Up Learning Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to Dynamic. Casey is a former middle school teacher. She's now working throughout the Lone Star State as a digital learning consultant. Her Shake Up Learning blog has been ranked as one of the top education blogs in the country. She also hosts a popular podcast called the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast with her co-host Matt Miller, author of Ditch That Textbook. Casey's also a Google certified innovator and a Google certified trainer. So kick back and enjoy this conversation about dynamic learning and how to shake up learning in your classroom with Casey Bell. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm very happy and pleased to welcome in my special guest, Casey Bell from the Lone Star State. How are you, Casey? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. And what do they say in Texas? Is it, hey, y'all? That's that's me. <laughs> yeah, everybody says it, but I probably say it a lot. Yeah, I, I do roll with the y'alls quite a bit. <laughs> well, I know you've had an exciting summer and we're uh, gearing up for the start of another school year here in the fall. Uh, you do a lot of public speaking. Obviously, you've had great success with your book, Shake Up Learning, Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to Dynamic. You have a popular blog. You're also a fellow podcaster with the... Um, Google Teacher Tribe podcast with our buddy Matt Miller. So how do you find time to do it all? Very good question. I I am a, a workaholic, but I love what I do. I really do. I, I, I feel like I have found my people. I have found my niche and I, you know, I enjoy working with teachers every day and I just consider it an honor and very blessed to do what I do. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of your work. I followed you on Twitter for a while, and uh, you're doing some, some wonderful things. But I really got to know you a little bit better uh, here in Kentucky over the summer. You did a virtual keynote for the Kentucky Go Digital Group. And uh, it was only about 20 or 25 minutes, but it was probably the best 20 minutes I've watched in a long time. And kudos to you and a shout-out to our KY Go Digital Group. I know you have a chance to do a lot of that uh, type of stuff. Kind of tell us about the ShakeUp Learning platform and when did you kind of have that aha moment in your professional career when you decided that you wanted to go this direction? 
Sure. And thank you for that, too. Uh, I, I did enjoy doing that virtual keynote, but I'll tell you, getting me condensed into 20 minutes is pretty tough, too. <laughs> I get a little chatty, so it was it was definitely a challenge to get that keynote in at 20 minutes. Uh, so as far as the, I guess, the birth of Shake Up Learning, it's actually a story that I, I tell in the beginning of the book as well. But, you know, I've been on the technology side of education now uh, for too long to mention how long I've been doing it. But the the idea of teaching teachers is something, you know, that I've been training and, and teaching technology for a long time. And I would do all kinds of, hey, you know, like digital tools, of course, back when we used to call them web 2.0 tools and, you know, hey, you should follow these bloggers. Hey, have you tried blogging in your classroom? And I wasn't an actual example of that. And that really bothered me because I'm a big proponent of, you know, practice what you preach. And especially as a, a professional developer, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a pet peeve of mine to go to a training on small group instruction that's taught whole group, you know, those types of things. So I decided I needed to be an example. So if I was going to tell teachers that blogging was going to transform their classrooms, I needed to create my own and actually provide an example. And that's, that's where it started. I had no idea that anybody would actually read it or <laughs> use it, but that's, that's really where it, it all sort of began for me. And, you know, you, you talk about um, dynamic learning as opposed to static teaching, and, and I certainly want to get into that. But before we get into some of the solutions, you and I are kind of, uh, you know, we think alike in terms of this reimagined schools concept, shaking up learning, and you've never been afraid to talk about uh, antiquated learning and how we still have so many problems um, in our school system. It's an old system steeped in tradition and you know, folks are quick to change a lot of things. They'll, they'll run home and they'll change their Facebook status or they'll change their Twitter profile. But when we ask people to make just very simple changes in a school system, we run into some roadblocks. So can you just talk about that conversation a little bit and how are we ever going to get past that antiquated system into a more, I'll call it a dynamic school system? Absolutely. You know, I often refer to it as the game of school. It's, it's become a game for teachers, for students. You know, I, I taught middle school and I feel like students, by the time they reached me in those middle grades, they had either figured out how to play the game or they hadn't and they were struggling and they were floundering. And, you know, the game became, you know, compliance, you know, being able to turn work in on time, you know, putting your name on your paper and, you know, bringing in a box of Kleenex for extra credit, whatever it was, that it it really wasn't focused on learning. And, you know, Ken Robinson, who I think I probably quote more than anyone else in my career, you know, talks a lot about kids being on the conveyor belt, this factory model of education that we have. And based on your age, it's dictated what you're going to learn, no more, no less. And that's kind of sad, actually, to me, because I feel like there's so many opportunities for students to really extend their learning and to go into different directions. And I actually facilitated a student panel this summer with, um, I had a third grade up to 12th grade. And of course, keep in mind the kids that volunteer or get volunteer to do something like that in the summer, uh, especially those, those high school kids, those those are going to be your top kids anyway. Those are the kids who are willing to do that stuff. And those high school kids couldn't tell me what they would do 
with their learning, if they could learn anything they wanted, they couldn't even frame their head around something besides what equaled their GPA and what was going to get them into college because that was the game that they had been playing. Now those third graders, they all wanted to learn how to draw, you know, and they, they could verbalize it. And that just sort of broke my heart that, you know, when they leave our doors, I want them to have more than just a diploma. I want them to have an idea of, of, of the things that they're interested in and that they're passionate about and that they've been given some time to explore those types of things. And you made reference to uh, Sir Ken Robinson, and we know his work, uh, an author, a speaker, and uh, one of the great uh, TED Talks he gave was The School's Killing Creativity. And I've heard you say before that we really can't teach creativity, but we can unleash it. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. You know, when I first started teaching, I, I feel like that was really when everybody was starting to use this buzzword of creativity. Oh, you've got to have, you know, something creative in your classroom. You've got to teach creativity. Well, nobody actually gave me a textbook and said, hey, here's the creativity textbook. Here's how you teach it. Here's the, the packets that you're going to hand out. There was no formula. And that's because formulas are not creative. And like I said, you can't really teach creativity. You unleash it. And you unleash it by creating a culture where students realize that there is room to fail. You know, you have to take risks in order to be creative and that we move away from this. There's only one correct answer idea because, you know, when you get creative, that means every kid in the classroom is creating something that is slightly different and, you know, that it doesn't fit this cookie cutter model of, you know, the same like styrofoam, uh, solar systems. <laughs> when you walk down the hallway that you see some, different talents and interests coming through. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, another one of those buzzwords that we've, we've been getting a lot is personalized learning. And if you ask 10 different people what that means, you're going to get 10 different answers. But in terms of shaking up learning, how do you define that? And what does that look like in your classroom? Well, for me, that means that we're actually utilizing the tools at our disposal to make the learning personal for that individual learner, whether that's their learning style, whether that's, you know, their, their level, we have the ability to use these tools in ways that honestly, we just couldn't do all on our own back with pen and paper, you know, just being able to differentiate is so much easier now with digital tools. One, you can do it with anonymity so that other students don't necessarily know hey, that student got a modified assignment or something like that. But at the same time, we can create like learning playlists that, and I don't mean just like a YouTube playlist. I mean, just like in terms of learning that there can be a sequence of events that can be customized to meet the needs of each individual learner. Yeah. And another thing you talk about that, that I really resonates with me is being disruptive and as we talk about change in schools, or reimagining schools, if you will, um, when I hear that term, you know, disrupt the status quo or be disruptive, I think about just society in general. I think about, as an example, my wife and some of her friends traveled uh, a month or so ago, uh, and they were in Nashville, Tennessee, and they didn't go to the Holiday Inn. They stayed at an Airbnb, and, you know, they didn't take a cab. They were in a Lyft or an Uber. So you don't no longer go to Blockbuster to buy the video, you go to Redbox. So all these things in society have, have evolved and these disruptors are in place. What are some of those disruptors in education? And 
you know, you and I may have a hard time coming up with too many, but if, if that's the case, what should we do to disrupt education? Well, the first thing that I tell teachers is, is to always question why things are done the way that they're done. You know, we get caught up, like I, like I said, in this game of school because, hey, we do this just because we do this every single year. But why do we do this? Is, is this contributing to the betterment of our students? Is it contributing to student learning in some way? And to always question that. But at the same time, you know, uh, part of what I talked about in the book is the dynamic learning framework. And that is a way to look at learning a little bit differently in terms of using technology integration with some meaning behind it. And to, what I was really trying to do was take the, the hot topics of today, whether that's, you know, like maker spaces and STEM and STEAM and all of the, you know, robotics and coding and all of these things, but to pull out the actual characteristics of all of those things and find some commonalities. Because what I find in working with teachers is, yeah, you have the connected educators who are on top of all of that and know exactly what that means and they're not afraid of it. But there's also teachers who don't see the bigger picture. And so being able to break that down. And so what I discovered was really just about pushing boundaries. So in terms of being disruptive, like it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be <laughs> the crazy teacher, although that's what I often call myself and everyone else is the crazy teacher, the one who's like going against the grain and going beyond. And that's really sort of part of that framework is going beyond what we thought was previously possible because we get caught up in these assignments that are still based in the old school ways. And so what I have found is that a lot of teachers don't don't even think about the fact that their assignments have to adjust to the new tools that the students are using, you know, that they want to blame cheating or because it's too easy to copy and paste or, you know, I have like a whole story that I've told about a teacher who switched from using PowerPoint to using Google Slides and suddenly Google Slides was the enemy because it was too easy to cheat instead of turning around and actually looking at the assignment. And so I think those are truly the shifts that need to happen. And it, it is definitely happening in a lot of places and there are great teachers, but as I often tell people, I don't think the digital revolution is actually here yet. I think there's there's still so many teachers who just don't get it, who don't understand, who don't even know how to ask the question um, that we're, we're sort of, uh, I find myself preaching to the choir so much that I feel like, yeah, they're listening to the podcast. Those are the teachers who already get it. How do we reach the teachers? And that was my hope with the book was to reach a different audience because books can, can definitely reach some educators who are not necessarily part of the connected educator world. And, you know, those folks that listen to this podcast have heard me say this many times, and I'm sure it'll be a constant theme as we continue to make, make shows. But I really feel like adults are just every bit as excited about technology as kids are when they enter the school building each day. The problem is it's really twofold. Number one, the kids are so far ahead of the adults, and we're just going to have to accept the fact that we're probably never going to catch up. That's just something we're going to have to deal with. The other thing and the big problem, and hopefully something you can shed some light on, is a lot of teachers just don't know what to do. They have so many tools, so many things they can do, they're not sure what direction to go. And that's why I really like the work you're doing with Google. Uh, you do a lot of trainings, you do a lot of things to help people kind of feel more comfortable. We know Google's a game changer, but for a lot of folks, it's very overwhelming. 
it is. Um, but I will say that um, I have I have referred to Google sort of as this gateway tool that for teachers because teachers who've been caught up or are working in really I don't I, cumbersome systems. I'll try not to name any names, but the you know the systems that are often just not user friendly, and then when they jump into something as simple as Google Docs, you know it translate. You've used a, a word processor before. You can transfer those skills, and so you start at that substitution level. And I tell people all the time, there's nothing wrong with substitution in and of itself. Yeah, you can, you definitely want to move beyond that. But I think sometimes when we look at models like SAMR, that it can be intimidating to teachers that they feel like they've got to be this innovative teacher and not every student and teachers ready for that. So you take it where you are, you know, you take those baby steps and the, the idea of you've got to be the expert, you got to let go of that because I can't even be an expert because there's too much to know. Even with Google, like I have to pick and choose which applications I'm going to try to keep up with because I would spend every second of every day trying to do that. And you have to just be comfortable with, you know what? I'm not going to break it. I'm going to click around. And if I can't figure it out, guess what? I can ask a kid. You know what? We can learn so much from our own students. And that's one of the tips that I tell teachers all the time. Don't be afraid to let your students teach you and to let them help each other. Like the burden of technology doesn't fall just on the teacher that, you know, we can do it as a community. And that shows that you're human and you're willing to fail and take risks in front of your students. And, you know, just to even tell your students, that's what you're doing. You know, sometimes when I'm, I'm like, hey, I've never done this before, we may fall flat on our face, but guess what? We're going to try it and we're going to do it together. And if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll shift gears and we'll move on. You know, even something like Google Classroom, uh, I mean, it, it's a wonderful tool. It's free. And in my opinion, everyone should be using it. But I, I've, I've been in school districts where, you know, they'll have a two-day training on how to use Google Classroom. And you'll, you'll go back and check you know, a few weeks later and, and you hear things like, well, you know, I, I couldn't figure this out or I didn't know how to do this or I didn't know how to do that. Is it too complicated? Are we just not teaching it the right way? Or what are we going to have to do to, to cross that hurdle and make it easier for people to implement those type of tools? You know, I don't think there's any um, perfect professional development scenario. There's always an excuse. And, you know, what I tell teachers is, you have to own your learning just like you expect your students to own your learning. And a lot of teachers will still resist that, especially in large settings. Um, if they're intimidated, if they're lost, you know, and they don't feel comfortable enough to share that. So, you know, I, I try really hard just as in my own trainings to help people. But at the same time, like when a teacher comes to me at the end of a training and says, I was lost the whole time. One, that's on me if I didn't, if I didn't happen to notice that. But two, I also put, uh, said, what questions do you have? Like you have to be willing to at least ask a question in order to take responsibility for that. So I, I feel like it's a two way street. And um, oftentimes on the, uh, the other side is that professional learning is not always delivered in the most useful format or at the use, most useful time. And that's why I really love doing these um, online self paced kind of courses, just because every teacher doesn't learn exactly the same way, just like our students 
don't. And so giving them some time and resources to come back to, I feel like is, is really important because if they missed it that first time, you know, and they go back to their classroom and they're like, Oh, what did Casey say in her training? I always want them to have something, either a website, a slideshow, a video, something to go back to that they feel um, comfortable with and that they can always come back and ask more questions. But um, there, there's probably not one perfect scenario, obviously for every teacher, but um, you know, Google classroom is easy. Although I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the pains right now with the updates. Uh, a lot of teachers are, are not happy with it at this point, but you know, that's, that's where I come in and that's where I feel like um, other people who are in those support roles can, can step in and try to do some just in time training as well. And I've also heard you say on a couple different occasions when it comes to tech in, in, integration that it's about making tiny shifts. You know, we just need to make, just make an effort, just pick one thing a week or one thing every couple of days that you want to try to just kind of get the ball rolling. And, you know, too many educators, and, and I'm guilty of that sometimes myself, you know, we want to have it all figured out before we start. And, and if that's going to be the case, and it's going to be a frustrating year uh, in the classroom. So, what kind of advice do you have in just kind of making those, uh, taking those baby steps and getting started? That's, and that's actually a lot of what's in the book as well. So not only that, that framework, but there's also an entire section dedicated to the how of technology integration and, and including planning. And I, you know, I have a planning template in there that really helps teachers stay focused on the learning goals because so often with technology, we get distracted by the new and shiny object. And this was, this was me in the classroom, confessions of a bad teacher. I use technology for technology's sake because I saw something cool and wanted to try it. Sometimes it turned out in my favor. Sometimes it did not. But if we, if we don't stay focused and make that connection, if you can't tell me, why using that tool to complete that task is going to enhance the learning, then we need to start over. And at the same time, I always tell teachers to shop for digital tools like you're on Amazon, right? We live in this connected world where everybody leaves feedback and comments and ratings. And with any kind of app store you go to, there's some sort of rating system. So whether you're in the Chrome web store, or you're on the you know iOS app store, there's some kind of feedback there. So for teachers who are afraid, stick with the tried and true. Use the stuff that other teachers have recommended. And, you know, don't go off on a limb and try something that's in like a beta testing mode or something like that. You know, that's, that's for the people who really like want to take some chances with technology. Stick with the tried and true. And that's when you also just start moving beyond the tool itself, you know, moving beyond that substitution level and taking those baby steps where, you know, where you're comfortable, but getting out of your comfort zone just a little bit to, to push those boundaries and to try something new. You know, I, I, I do talk a lot about Google. I spend a whole lot of my, my time just trying to keep up with Google, honestly, but the um, Google slides is something that I refer to as the Swiss army knife of the G Suite tools because it's much more than a presentation tool. And kind of going back to that student panel that I mentioned earlier, this was a very uh, wealthy school district, one-to-one -one with MacBook Airs at the secondary level, one-to-one -one with iPads at the elementary level, and every grade level, all they could tell me that they did with their devices was create a presentation. 
And you know, so that's great. You're spending money on technology, but if you're not using it, it to do something significant, then it's a waste of money. And so that's, you know, it's like, okay, well, are you creating something else? You know, how can we push that just a little bit further? You know, what if you created an ebook in Google slides? What did you share that with the world? Were you able to get an authentic audience for your work? You know, just um, making those, those steps in the right direction. And that's my hope sort of with the framework is just to help teachers see those commonalities and to push those points and to see how easy it can be to start integrating that in their classrooms. You know, I know you probably can't speak for, for Google as a corporation, but as you think about, um, you know, G Suite and all the different things out there for educators. Do you feel like the Google for Education folks are receptive to teacher ideas and input? And then kind of a follow-up to that is what's missing, if anything? What, I mean, what would you add if you, had the, if you had the magic wand to add something to G Suite? So I would say that they are especially receptive when it comes to Google Classroom and Expeditions because those two products are specifically geared for K-12 and, you know, I've been on some of the, um, the expert teams and working with those teams at Google where they, they read every single piece of feedback that comes in about Google Classroom and that, that that's where they actually prioritize those updates. So, you know, if you think no one's reading it, uh, you would be mistaken in this case. I don't, I can't guarantee that about <laughs> any other platform that they, they read everything, but you know, I think that that definitely has helped. Um, in terms of what may be missing I would say a specific curation tool would be great. I love Google Keep and I love bookmarking in Chrome, but something that's a little bit more robust because that's one of the, the hangups. Once teachers start learning and integrating things is what do I do with all these resources, you know, and trying to figure out how to get them organized into one place. The other thing is probably some sort of, um, OneNote competitor. That's that's the one thing that I get from the the diehard Microsoft users is where's my OneNote, and and so probably that would be something else. And, and it kind of depends what you do with OneNote with the other places that you could you could put those things. But that's probably what most people would say is missing. And you know I can't stop thinking about something you said earlier in the conversation about a technology integration, and you feel like this is just the beginning. So, I mean, if you, if you pull your crystal ball out there in Texas and take a look, I mean, what do you see in the future? What's going to happen the next 10, 15, 20 years uh, as technology continues to evolve? You know, I think that's why I love technology so much is because I, I sort of embrace change in the unknown and I might be a little bit different than most, but you know, it's one big question mark. It's, it's almost, you know, like you can go back and look at the race between different technologies over the years, whether you're talking about VHS versus beta or, you know, the HD DVD versus Blu-ray, all of those types of things and trying to see where it's going. Uh, obviously, we've had a lot of growth in uh, VR and AR 
as of late. And I think we're going to continue to see that to impact education. And it's definitely becoming more mainstream. Devices are probably the biggest hang up, having the correct device and all of the right things to do those. Um, but I also see a lot of changes coming our way with AI and machine learning. And machine learning is being built into a lot of the Google products now as well and trying to predict the things that you need when you need them which is great. They get smarter the more you use them. But, you know, there's also the, the questions of safety and privacy and what we're giving up for the convenience of things. So right now, you know, I've got um, my Amazon Echo that's listening and my Google Home Mini that's listening. And, you know, there, there, there is sort of that trade-off in the, the big conundrum of, of what that will do. But I, I am a fan of, of using tools wisely in protecting kids, but also using these tools to do everything that we can to help prepare kids for the future, because that, that is something that's part of the real world, you know, and even if you think your computer's not listening and you think it's just those devices, you're wrong, <laughs> right? You ever been on uh, Facebook and suddenly Facebook knew that you had a headache and <laughs> all of the ads were customized. So it's, it's a little bit scary too. You know, I've told this story before, uh, but I, you know, I'm 50 years old. I remember as a first year teacher getting on the internet for the very first time. So I feel ancient, but I, I think about just what's changed in, in that 23, 24 year period. Uh, my father is a retired school superintendent. I spent some time in Illinois as a school superintendent and just some of the, the funny conversations I have with him. I was talking to him this morning and and I said, Dad, I'm getting ready to do another podcast uh, today and I'm probably going to participate in a Twitter chat and check my Voxer group. And, and he just had no idea what I was talking about. So that's a perfect example of just how we are connected globally and, and how uh, it's just been a game changer for, you know, having a podcast like this. You and I both reach out and talk to a lot of folks. Exactly. And you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a vocabulary that has changed as well. And so if you don't speak the vocabulary, you, you're, you're lost, you know, and I tell teachers that as well, even when it comes to sometimes the vocabulary that students use, and maybe that's, you know, not exactly the vocabulary you want to pursue, but, you know, do you speak emoji? right? You know, like there's so many different ways and engaging ways that we can use those types of things in our classrooms. And yeah, I don't think my parents completely understand exactly what I do either. You know, we have those conversations and my parents owned an electronics business for 50 years, yeah. you know? And so, you know, but you know, my dad knows there was a lifespan for electronic equipment because as soon as it comes out, it's out of date, right? So we're constantly chasing. We're chasing the next idea, the next trend, the next device. Well, folks, you certainly want to get out and get this book, Shake Up Learning, Practical Ideas to Move Learning from Static to Dynamic. Uh, you also have a fantastic blog, and it's been uh, rated as one of the top education blogs in the country. And I, I, I would assume the blog came before the book. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yes, the, the book just came out in April. So. Okay. And, and kudos for all your success on the book. And as I, you know, if I could, uh, you know, make a closing thought just uh, on what you're doing, what you're going to be doing this fall and how can we continue to think about shaking up what we're doing in the classroom? 
Sure. Thank you so much for this opportunity to, to share my passions. You can find me on shakeuplearning.com and you can find me pretty much across social media and the various platforms. And my handle is shake up learning across all of those. So, you know, if you have questions, if you have ideas, if you're interested in any of the things that I'm doing, please, you know, subscribe to the blog, but feel free to tweet me, Instagram me, whatever your flavor. And if there's anything that I can do to help you and your students, please let me know. Well, thank you so much for being here, Casey. I really appreciate your time. And again, Casey Bell is out there. Follow her on Twitter, check out her blog, and be sure to get the book. She's doing some amazing things, and you certainly want to catch up with her and follow her on social media. So until next time, I want to thank all of our loyal listeners for the Reimagined Schools podcast, and as always, do what you can in your school and community to do what's best for kids.